Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman as well. Uh, we are breaking down Indiana's 38-24 loss to number eight Cincinnati while looking ahead to a vitally important game on the road down in Bowling Green, Kentucky against the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers who lead the nation in passing. Uh, so it will not be an easy trip down uh, to the Bluegrass State for Indiana. Uh, but TJ, first, um, one, how are you doing? And two, uh, we'll kick it off with, uh, with the recap of, um, of Cincinnati. Yeah, from a, you know, always separate these things personally, doing just fine. Uh, from a, a sports standpoint, it was a rough weekend for a multitude of reasons. Uh, primarily a very uh, disappointing loss, not because IU lost to Cincinnati. That in and of itself, um, nothing to be, you know, all that terribly upset about. Uh, Cincinnati is a very good team. However, given the way that that game played out, uh, Indiana had no business losing that contest. And I, I know that that might frustrate or, or make Cincinnati fans feel disrespected or, or whatever. Um, you know, I saw the game. I know what happened. Indiana was the better team and and should have won that game, but they made far too many mistakes. They made way too many mistakes. Uh, and I, I'm, Indiana did not deserve to win the game because of those mistakes. But that's the frustrating part is that it was going so well. My, I mean, the, the defense, I personally have been watching IU football for, I, I don't know, we'll say 30 years. I probably don't remember much from from you know when I was you know, up till about five. So we'll say we'll say thirty years. I do not recall a defense against a good offense. Now we've beaten up some teams that don't have an offense. That's fine, but a defensive performance for the first quarter and a half against a really good offense. I don't recall one that was better uh, than that. They were flying around making every tackle in the open field, getting pressure onto Desmond Ritter, stuffing Jerome Ford, mostly at the line of scrimmage, an incredibly impressive start from the defense. And I, I was really encouraged by the pre-snap movement that we saw uh, from IU's defense, the activity level that we saw from some of the blitz packages. I thought it was reminiscent to what we did last year under Cade Womack. And kudos to Charlton Warren and Tom Allen for what I thought was a really good defensive game plan. Um, now, 
everything's going swimmingly with the exception of IU blowing chances inside of the 10-yard line uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But the defense continuing to play great. And then you have the targeting call uh, that, that results in Micah McFadden getting ejected. And it seemed like a switch flipped. Uh, the, the defense seemed a bit shell-shocked. Cincinnati got into a rhythm, scores a touchdown, game on from that point. Uh, and IU still at the end of the game has a chance to go in and take the lead despite all the mistakes. And Tim Baldwin fumbles inside the five-yard line. Uh, at that point, it realistically game over. IU did get another chance. And again, unfortunately, makes another mistake as Michael Pinnock throws a very poor pass that gets intercepted. So um, you have encouragement from the way that IU played uh, really toe-to-toe and, and was in a lot of ways the better team against a legitimate top 10 squad. You've got that positive mixed with the negative of finding a way to blow multiple chances for a huge win and finding yourself at one and two. Yeah. Um... It was, and I, I go to the red zone. You had yeah. three chances inside the 10, or, you know, the 10 are inside, and you, you come away with zero points. Um, going forward on fourth down, there were two mistakes, I thought, on that drive. Uh, one, you had Cincinnati's defense on their heels. Uh, I think there were 25 seconds left. TJ, you pointed out, uh, 25 seconds left on the, on the game clock in the first quarter. Uh, when they got that first down uh, to the, I believe, the eight-yard line, and then they just let the time run out and let Cincinnati gather themselves. I thought that was a mistake. I, I pointed it out to to Buck Sir in the booth, and he said, well, you know, time's a little bit more important here. But, you know, in retrospect, maybe, you know, you don't – you in Indiana doesn't run – up tempo very well. Every time they go fast, they tend to mess up. But uh, you had plenty of time to set yourselves and run another play while Cincinnati's still trying to catch their breath and and things like that. And then the fourth down play, I, you have to take the field goal there. You go up two scores, uh, you're feeling good about yourself uh, and, and things like that. So at minimum, IU left nine points on the field, maximum 21 uh, and it's a yeah. whole different ball game um, and things like that. You know, Penix fumbles a snap under center. Why you don't hand it off to Stephen Carr um, or even Davion Irvin Poindexter, uh, somebody, you know, other than your quarterback who doesn't usually take snaps under center um, is kind of a questionable call. Uh, things like that. So, and then the second drive, Indiana's up. I think they're up seven nothing at that time when they threw the interception. Um, yeah, seven nothing. You're down at the Indi- uh, the Cincinnati eight, and Penix just throw just throw the ball away. He th- tries to force one into uh, Peyton Henders' shot, and it really had no chance of being completed. And it gets picked off by a, a diving defender. Uh, and taken out there, you know, you're, you're probably up 13, nothing, um, 13, nothing there. Uh, you get the ball back on a fumble and score. So it's, you know, it's all in retrospect and, and it's a, a pre you're talking about a predetermined outcome. 
uh, of things like that. But, you know, if, if you score on those two, you get the TD, it's 20 to nothing. Um, yeah. Before you even blink. And I talked to Cincinnati writer after the game and the game did turn on the targeting call. He said, you know, if, that doesn't get called. Indiana probably goes down and scores before half, and they win this game, you know, running away. Uh, and it's a totally different game. I thought it affected the crowd. The crowd spent way too much time booing. Yeah, it was a terrible call, but you still have, you know, 35 minutes of game left, and they spent the rest of the first half just booing when, this, you know, the defense needs them to get behind them. Um, and things like that. It's odd not seeing James Miller in there as much uh, as you thought. I thought, you know, Thomas Allen's a, a solid player, but he's not as athletic as some of those other guys, and, and, and you saw that. He missed a few plays where, you know, he, he let his guy – ran himself out of the play um, and things like that. Uh, the The – it was just so many mistakes. And you can say this to you, oh, they got out. Well, you know, and then people determine that on penalties. Well, Cincinnati, I think, had 11 penalties. They had seven pre-snap penalties. So if you're going to say yeah. Tom Allen is a bad coach, then you have to go um, – you have to go to the other side and say that Luke Fickle's a terrible coach. How, how undisciplined is this team that you have to – he jumped offside seven times. Um, yep. and had a, you know, and things like that. Uh, so I thought the difference in the game was definitely quarterback play. Desmond Ritter didn't play out of this world. He was 20 at 36 for 210 yards, but man, Michael Penix Jr. 17 of 40, three interceptions. And that's, he, he made some great throws. I thought there were some throws <laughs> that he needed help out on his receivers. And we'll talk about Fry, Ty Freifogel here in a minute, TJ, because he's not blameless in this either. I thought the offensive line played okay, um, well enough to win. But, you know, you throw three picks, and they all led to um, big game-changing plays. You know, it, um, the first pick, uh, Cincinnati scores a field goal off of, I believe. Um, then you get yeah, the first pick was – no, they fumbled it back. So the defense yeah. stood tall. The second pick with 23 seconds left, it, yeah. you, you, they get a field goal. So now it's 14-10 going into half. And then you end the game on an ill-advised throw going across your body down the middle of the field. Just throw it away and take your chances on fourth down um, and, and get out of there. So it's – I thought we were all waiting on the x-ray results from, from after the game on Penix. Uh, they came back clean. He's still the starter uh, and things like that. My question to Tom Allen and the coaching staff uh, would be, how long is his leash? Because this is an absolute must-win game uh, down in, in Bowling Green this weekend. Uh, am I missing anything, TJ, on, on the offensive side of the ball? Um, we'll talk, no. you know, talk a little bit about Ty Freifogel's struggles here too. Well, uh, I, I do want to point out a couple of performances that I thought were worth noting on the offensive side of the ball, uh, on the, on the positive, uh, DJ Matthews, I thought was really good. Fantastic. IU needs to find 
ways to get him involved often. He had two carries for 28 yards, including a touchdown on a really well-designed play by Nick Sheridan. Uh, we, we criticize him, so we're going to give him credit. There were some creative plays, not as many as we'd like, and there's still way too much running on first down for my liking. Uh, but I thought that that particular play call for DJ Matthews on an end around uh, that involved some misdirection as well, I thought that was really good. Definitely fooled Cincinnati and got into the end zone on it. Um, and then he also had five catches for 120 yards. Also, Peyton Hendershot, when he got the ball, very good with it. Cincinnati had a hard time bringing him down. Six catches, 60 yards, and a really tough touchdown. Uh, those are two guys that, that have to get the ball. They have been just, I mean, they were far and away, I used two best offensive players, not really close. Um, I, I, Ty Fry Fogel, uh, I mean, look at the receivers as a whole. Outside of Matthews, Fry Fogel, one catch, 13 yards, and I don't know. Four drops, five drops, I, I don't know. He had seven, um, seven targets. Okay, so seven targets, ends up with one catch. Uh, Miles Marshall, one catch for 11 yards. That's it. That's the list. So you're not getting basically anything outside of the wide receiver position, outside of D.J. Matthews, and that yeah. cannot happen. That's on the quarterback. That's on the offensive scheme. That's on the wide receiver group. That has to improve right now. Um, the the other part that I, I do think, while I you know have been talking some positives here, the score line, if you just look at that, is unflattering to IU's defense. It's it's not particularly representative of the game that IU's defense played. Um, again, prior to Micah McFadden getting ejected, they were lights out. After Micah McFadden getting ejected, they still weren't bad. I mean, you within those that point total, uh, you've got the kickoff return for a touchdown, which was a killer, yeah. uh, right after IU takes the lead and gets a bit of momentum back and, and punched back after getting punched a couple times. That was really encouraging to see IU's offense with a real nice drive. Get up off the mat. Here we go. Gets the crowd back into it. And on the ensuing kickoff, 99 yards the other way, uh, just a backbreaker. And the other, uh, let's see, and then it was the, the interception that led to a field goal. So they were in poor position or poor field position for the defense there. And then the final interception gets taken back inside the 10 uh, and gets, you know, gives Cincinnati another touch. So um, not fair to the defense as far as the point total goes. They held Cincinnati to 3.3 yards rushing. Jerome Ford, 20 carries, 69, or I'm sorry, 66 yards. They made it work for it. Uh, it's not totally shutting a guy down, but that's, that's good defense. You'll take that. Uh, I, I thought that they were pretty good on the tight ends in particular. Leonard Taylor, two catches, 24 yards. Josh Wiley, uh, one catch for four yards. That is well below both of their averages. So IU did a really nice job taking those guys away. 
really the only player that hurt them consistently was Alec Pierce, uh, who had a nice game, 86 yards and a touchdown, including a really good ball down the sideline for a 28-yarder. Um, for the most part, though, you'll take that effort from IU's defense, even without McFadden being out there. Uh, really, the difference in this game was those mistakes made by IU's offense inside of the red zone, plus the the turnovers from Michael Penix. Um, you know, moving forward, you ask a key question there, how short is that leash? It was a very definitive statement from Tom Allen backing Michael Penix as his quarterback uh, for the Western Kentucky contest. I don't know. We, we know conversations are occurring amongst the coaching staff. You know, let's say scenario A plays out. Let's say scenario B, they're thinking through, they're talking through when they need to make a change. And I would really love to know how long you let Penix go if it's looking a little rough against Western Kentucky early. Um, you know, we'll talk about the Hilltoppers here in a minute. It's a defense that uh, is a pretty good one to be playing right now for IU's offense because there are going to be a lot of opportunities for the Hoosiers to excel on the offensive side of the ball. However, if they struggle against Western Kentucky's defense, IU's probably behind by quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a game that the IU offense has to show up because Western Kentucky is not a team you're going to be able to totally shut out. Uh, they, I think they lead the nation in passing. They're a top, you know, third down team as well. Uh, you yep. know, Charlton Warren talked about it as a great opportunity. It's a, it's an air raid offense. Their leading rusher has nine carries. So it's, you know, the strength of this defense is the secondary uh, right now. And you're going to have a lot of pass rush opportunities and you're going to give your best unit um, or, you know, what some people think are is Indiana's best defensive unit uh, a chance to make plays. This is, you know, you have an All-American corner um, and some All-Big Ten. You get Monster Matthews back. You get some All-Big Ten um guys in the back in the defensive backfield it's their this is their kind of game you know western kentucky they're averaging 47 points per game um they, they you know their their rushing yards aren't great they, they've rushed the ball um you know 3.4 yards per carry they've thrown the ball for 913 yards they don't throw many interceptions uh and things like that they so it's, I think they have, how many interceptions do they have? They have some interceptions on defense too. This is a game, if Michael Penix is turning the ball over, it's not a good recipe. Um, and, and the Western Kentucky defense is, is not great. They played, uh, I think it was UT Martin and Army so far, and they're giving up nearly 30 points a game. So, and, you know, Army runs that, wishbone option offense now they run it well but um it's i you should be able to score on this team and if you're going through the first quarter and you're not putting up points you gotta 
you got to change because if you lose this game, it's all it's the season's going to go down the drain and it's going to go down quickly. People are already jumping off ships. I know you, you texted us this morning about the Peaks board and people are absolutely losing their mind. Just imagine if they lose to Western Kentucky um, and things like that. This is after a, a close loss to a top 10 team and a team who has a, a legitimate shot at the college football playoff, especially if they knock off Notre Dame next week, which they might. Um, so it's for a fragile, fragile fan base. This is an absolute must win for Tom Allen and his crowd before you go into happy Valley under the lights in a stripe out, because if you come home at homecoming at one and four, you're going to come home to a snake pit of fans. If, if the fans still show up. Um, so, you know, it, it's a momentum game and people it's, it became a swing game again. This is a game that, you, that, you know, if IU played like they did last year, you go, yeah, they have no problem with Western Kentucky. I'm not worried about this game. Yeah. You have to go down there and, you know, that's the former AD's issue. And you've heard of all my issues with the scheduling from Fred Glass. Why this game is on the road is beyond me. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be a tough one. IU should be able to run the ball too. If the passing game's not going, Western Kentucky's giving up 5.3 yards per per rush, 5.4 yards per play, um, and, and 10, you know, nearly 11 yards per um, per reception. So this is a offensively, it's a get right game. And if your all American mm-hmm. wide receiver can't get it going. And other guys can't get a go. It, it might be time for a lineup change. There's too much talent sitting on the bench to not put these guys in. So before we move on to anything else, we don't toot our horn very often, but this is this particular game at Western Kentucky. This is not revisionist history where we are just now complaining about this. Sammy, you in particular were very vocal about games just like this being well, scheduled. Since I, previous, I mean, this, this goes back, you know, you're right. As long as this site does and longer, uh, your, your scheduling concerns with games just like this one, where IU needs wins in the non-conference because of the Big Ten scheduling philosophy, you're requiring nine games in a conference, and I use in one of the toughest divisions there is, and you're going on the road to play Western Kentucky. It's not a new concern. It's not a new complaint. It's one that you have lodged several times. So I'll, I, did, I wanted to get that out there. This is not revisionist history uh, that we're just now concerned about because it's a game IU has to win now. No. So no, I've been Western playing Kentucky. since 2005 over this when they're playing Central Michigan on the road, and we've right. seen IU lose these games before. They've gone to, sure. to Bowling Green and, Green and lost. They played Ball State up in Indian lost. Um, th- this is Ball just – it's lost. it's a no-win game. You're supposed to win this game by double digits. It's a, it's a no-win situation. If you win, it's so what? If you lose, it's a total disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I going back to the UT Martin game, which 
UT Martin, an FCS opponent that, uh, you know, it's really hard to know what to take about Western Kentucky so far. They played twice. Their first opponent, FCS school, UT Martin. They give up 21 points, including 22 first downs, 10 of 19 on third down. They give up 201 yards rushing with 5.9 yards per carry to UT Martin. Now, what exactly do you take from that? I'm not 100% sure. They also threw for 478 yards, including 13.3 yards per pass. So, again, what does that mean? Then you look at the Army game, which is Army is going to be a very tough opponent to take any information from because of how unique their style is. Yep. You look at their offense, they throw for 435. They don't even try to run the ball, 42 yards rushing. They give up 339 yards rushing to Army on 67 rushing attempts. What does that mean? Don't really know. So it, it's a difficult game to contextualize, a different, difficult opponent to contextualize. Here's what we know for sure. The strengths of Western Kentucky are twofold. They have a good quarterback in Bailey Zappi, a transfer from Houston Baptist. They brought over... Uh, I believe their top three pass catchers all coming from Houston Baptist as well. So Bailey Zappi, and I think their receiver, Jaden Stearns, I think he is really good. Uh, watched him against Army. I think he's a really, really good Jarrett Stearns is his name. I'm not sure why I said Jaden. Jarrett Stearns, he's averaging 17.38 yards a catch. He has four touchdowns, two in both games. He's He's the number one option for them. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley and Malachi Corley also are, are over 100 yards receiving. Uh, and then Craig Burt at 116 yards receiving. They already have five guys at 100 yards receiving or more. Uh, Stearns, by far, though, their number one target. He'll be an interesting cover uh, for however IU chooses to line up against him. The second strength of their, their attack is how fast they go the tempo. They are going to snap the ball as quickly as possible every time they want to get you off balance on defense and just keep coming at you until they're in the end zone. Uh, we've seen that tempo before. IU used to run some of it with Kevin Wilson. Western Kentucky is going to be as fast as they possibly can be on offense. Now, there are a couple of ways to disrupt that. The first is going to be with pressure. You get back into the backfield that disrupts the timing and you want to disrupt the timing because that's what this entire offense is based on. It's going to be quick drops for Bailey Zappi and he's looking to get the ball quickly down the field. Uh, the, the second thing is going to be throw them off schedule. They're already one dimensional. Their running game is tunnel screens and bubble screens to the wide receiver. You're going to see a lot of that where Bailey Zappi just gets the snap looks to his left or looks to his right. He's just got one read, fires it out to the receiver, and they try to get yards after the catch. That's their running game. So tackling on the edges and in space is going to be critical. I think IU does that pretty well, better than most. Uh, so that that's a good thing for the Hoosiers' defense. They're going to have to continue to do that. 
the, the most interesting thing to me is going to be how often and how much pressure does IU try to bring and how much can they get. Um, because of how quick this offense goes, it can be kind of difficult for a defense to get pressure because the, the linemen and linebackers get exhausted. You know, you're snapping the ball every 15, 20 seconds. They're, they're having a hard time getting back into position, rushing the quarterback again with any type of, you know, endurance. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how IU contends with that tempo and with the very quick and explosive passing game of Western Kentucky. But uh, also, I also I, want to point something else out, TJ. Western yeah. Kentucky has attempted three onside kicks this year. True. Yeah. And now, so that's a they lot. Were, they were down, uh, I think it was 28 14. It might have been 35 14. I think it was 35 14 against Army. Um, so those came against them as they tried to come back. Um, but that is something to watch. It would hardly be surprising to see them throw one. Uh, just to steal a possession. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other, I mean, the other thing that you're looking for in this matchup is the other side of the ball, Western Kentucky's defense, as we mentioned, their defense is not good. The run defense in particular has been gashed. Army's going to do that to you. But seeing UT Martin put up almost six yards to carry, that's an eye-opener. Um, uh, that's something that if you're Indiana, you have to take advantage of that. You're the Big Ten team here. You're the team that had, you know, top 15 aspirations. The offensive line has to dominate Western Kentucky's defensive line in this game. They, they have to give a clean pocket to the quarterback, whoever it is. And they have to open up enough holes to run it like they did in the first half of that game against Cincinnati. Yeah. I, I think the, the biggest issue that I see for Indiana in this game is going to be if the offense struggles a little bit, and Western Kentucky's offense finds some success against IU's defense and builds a lead, we, we could see things unravel. Um, and there's going to be, I think, the confidence of Michael Penix is undoubtedly shaken. And if he does not find success early and IU falls into a hole, which then requires him to force more things to try and make stuff happen, which of course leads to mistakes. Uh, we we could see things unravel. However, if IU can control the game with a balanced offense and maybe force Western Kentucky into a couple of mistakes with these timing air raid offenses, um, if you can get them off rhythm, you can really slow them down pretty quick. And that comes from a good, a, a good pressure up front, primarily. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, it, it'll speak. You just hope that this team is not that mentally fragile. 
that if Western Kentucky, because that's something the fan base is going to do. Like that's, yeah, if Western Kentucky jumps out to the lead, the, you, you know, the fan base is going to be, oh my God, here we go again. Why did we give this, this, you know, high school coach $4.9 million and all that stuff. All that stuff is going to come back to the surface in the fan base. But it, it'll be really disappointing, at least in my opinion, if that's the attitude of the players on this team. And then you have bigger concerns. What's the, you know, everybody, this LEO culture has been so, um, it's worked so well and, and things like that. And it's been advertised and plugged and, and things like that, that, you know, four games into the season and, and you're losing in a game, it's all going to fall apart would be extremely disappointing in my opinion. It probably means that the culture isn't as strong as, as everybody thought. Um, and, you know, it, it's tough. It is tough to be a team that came in hyped up as much as IU has been and to fall kind of flat on their face. Now it's not a shock that they're two and one TJ. We both said it. This team could start, you know, or one and two, this team could lose to both Cincinnati and Iowa. And well, guess what they did. And I think people are more concerned with how they lost than the losses in general. So, you know, you're still kind of on schedule win loss wise to a lot of people's projections. Uh, it's just that they have not looked like a team who, you know, fans could be confident about. And, Maybe this is a game they, they get it turned all around. It's a road trip. Um, it, it's just it's you and the boys uh, going down to Western Kentucky. There's no outside noise uh, and, and things like that. So you, you get to focus a little bit more. And, and maybe this two-game road trip into an open week um, could help turn around the, the, the mental state of this team. But we'll see. Uh, and it all starts Saturday. Uh, at 8 o'clock on CBS Sportsnet down in Bowling Green. Uh, TJ, what's your one matchup to watch uh, against Western Kentucky? I think the, the one that everybody's going to be pointing to is Indiana's defense against this air raid offense. Uh, so what I'm going to be looking at is actually going to be IU's offensive line against Western Kentucky's defensive line. Uh, it's an area that I think can have – two impacts on the game. First, it's critical for Indiana to, to have a good protection to give Michael Penix the opportunity to have a clean pocket. And, and you want to give him every advantage possible for him to find his groove. That's receivers making catches, stopping with the drops. That is play calling. That is the offensive line, keeping Western Kentucky's pressure off of him. The second part of it is the running game. If you can get a competent running game against this Western Kentucky defense, which if you can't against these guys, then you're not going to the rest of the season because yeah. there's no worse defensive front that IU will play than this one. So if you can run the ball consistently, that keeps Western Kentucky's explosive offense off the field. So that's the primary matchup I'm going to be watching for. Yeah, the matchup I'm watching for is going to be Indiana's defensive backs against Western Kentucky's passing game. Uh, it's Western Kentucky's best weapon. Uh, they're very familiar with each other. 
Uh, as you said, the wide receivers and the quarterback all come from Houston Baptist. I believe the offensive coordinator also is from Houston Baptist. So they know each other like the, the backs of their hands. So they should be able, you know, they'll be able to have a rhythm and, and know what each other's doing. Now it's up to the Indiana's defensive backs. Um, you, you, like you said, you've got to disrupt it. You've got to come up with these havoc plays. Uh, and, and we haven't seen all that many interceptions by the by the Indiana defense uh, yet this year. And they, they really haven't had pass deflections uh, either. There haven't been many opportunities for interceptions. Uh, but that could be a product of the offense trying to stay away from it, uh, quarterbacks being careful. But anytime you – you know, I expect Western Kentucky to throw the ball, you know, 50, 60 times. Anytime you're throwing the ball that much, you're going to have your um, – your opportunities. So I think it's the Indiana defensive backs time to shine. Uh, this is where you have a, an all American and, and Tywin Mullen needs to step up. And if they stay away from him, fine. You just got rid of half the field uh, with the wide receiver. Uh, and, and that would be great. You have Devin Matthews back. So how he bounces back and gives you depth too. Cause I think Josh Sanguinetti has played very well. You know, Marcelino had a had an interception last week on a tip ball. Uh, Reese Taylor almost made a spectacular interception uh, as well on a play. So, you know, th these guys are starting to warm up, and maybe this is the breakout game where they do get a couple picks uh, and, and things like that. Um, TJ, what is one thing Indiana has to do, you know, besides score more points to Western Kentucky uh, to win this game? So... I want to get in the the red zone into this conversation. And really for IU, the problem has been like inside of the 10. Um, and I, I think that against a team as explosive West, as Western Kentucky, uh, you need to cash in those opportunities for touchdowns or for points in general, because I think you made a good point earlier, early in the contest, Tom Allen and, you know, Colts fans have seen it with, with Frank Reich as well, chasing points early in games instead of taking the three and allowing your defense to, you know, to shut down the opposing offense, uh, getting points up on the board. So eliminating the turnovers, particularly ones that take away scoring chances, I think it's going to be critical to watch, but I, I, I do think that the primary focus for Indiana's defense has to be getting pressure onto Bailey Zappi, because if you let him have a clean pocket, you cannot stop this scheme. No secondary in college football would be able to consistently stop Western Kentucky's passing attack if the quarterback gets to stand back there uh, with, you know, five, six seconds in a clean pocket. Um, so they, they have to get pressure because that's going to allow IU secondary a chance to make plays. Um, if, if you are getting pressure and the secondary is getting beat in two to three seconds, that's on the secondary. Yeah. But if you are asking the secondary to cover this scheme and these really good passers in this spread out system, uh, for you know five six seconds without pressure, then that's on the that's on the the linebackers and uh, the defensive front. So 
Um, I think the getting pressure and, and disrupting the timing of this offense is the primary focus for the defense on Saturday. Yeah, that would mean your key player is probably Ryder Anderson, who has been outstanding uh, this year at getting pressure. And uh, TJ, they, they we interviewed him after the game Saturday. He looks like a power forward. Uh, it, it's I hadn't talked to him one on one like that uh, in person yet this year, and he looks like a power forward. And it's hard to believe that a Western Kentucky line is is going to have much success uh, blocking him. Um, or, you know, Weston Kramer's had a very good time and, and Stone Handy has, has played well. So, you know, that's the key, but it's not like the talent isn't there in the past where, you know, it's been a struggle. They have been able to generate a pass rush with this defensive line. So that's, uh, that should be encouraging for, for fans and, and your key to the, uh, key to the game. Um, my key to the game is you got to get better quarterback play. Uh, it's an obvious yeah. one. Uh, and things like that, but you can't give Western Kentucky extra chances uh, to score points. Uh, they'll they're going to be able. Indiana is not going to shut this team out, um, and they might not hold them under twenty points. So anytime, um, you know, anytime that you give them the ball back on 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 your half of the field or, or throw a, a pick six. Uh, or give a chance to, for the defense to generate points, it, it's it's going to be uh, critical that they not do that. Uh, and it's kind of obvious. So, you know, we'll see. Does Is this the game Penix turns it around? Um, you hope so. But with um, from what we've seen, the, the you know, the belief is kind of fading that he'll figure it out you know, on, on his own, maybe he needs to take a step back and, and reevaluate things. Uh, but you also have to have Jack Tuttle come in and perform well too. So, you know, there's a lot of questions and you just need better quarterback play because your two losses, you could pin, if you had to pin in on one thing, it's not the offensive play calling. It's not really the offensive line play. It's the decision-making of Michael Penix and it's the quarterback play because that's, that had been the difference. That was the difference in, in the loss to Cincinnati. Um, and that really was the difference in Iowa. Even though Spencer Petras didn't play all that well, uh, he took care of the ball for the most part, and he made the plays that he needed to make. And Michael Penix needs to do that. He needs to take care of the play or the ball and needs to make the plays uh, that need to be made. He doesn't need to be Superman for this, for this offense to – you know, put up points. And we've seen that. Uh, you just get your ball to your playmakers, let them do the heavy lifting. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. So that's my key to the game. Uh, predict, uh, prediction time, TJ, uh, who do you got this weekend? Yeah, I, I think Western Kentucky, uh, it's important for people to realize we kind of, I mentioned this word earlier, contextualize, going up against Western Kentucky's offense because a good day might mean that Bailey Zappi has, I don't know, 340 yards passing, but you forced him into a couple of mistakes. So you have a couple of interceptions and maybe you stopped him in the red zone a few times. Uh, 
it, it's not, this is not a game where you can realistically expect to hold them under 300 yards of offense. So kind of keeping all that in mind, I do think that IU's defense is going to be able to get some pressure. I think IU's offense is going to be able to control the ball and grind down this Western Kentucky defense. I think we will see a better performance from Michael Penix. Uh, I'm going with Indiana getting uh, or riding the ship a little bit here in Western Kentucky, uh, taking out a 42-31 to 31 victory uh, over the Hilltoppers, which that's a high score. I totally get that. I think Indiana is going to be in control of this one by maybe midway through the third quarter. Uh, and then Western gets a couple of scores on late uh, to, to make things a little nervous toward the end of it. Yeah, I'm going to take Indiana to win as well. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go 38, 31. I need to see more from the offense uh, to, to see if they're going to score over, over 40 points. Should they be able to, uh, yeah, if they play well, they absolutely should. Um, Western Kentucky is going to score their points. Their offense is too explosive not to, uh, and they're going to run a lot of plays. If uh, yep. And the, Indiana's got to control the tempo too, the, which you kind of feel good about because they have had those long methodical yep. drives um, and have scored a lot off of them, which people think is, is boring, but – you know, against the uh, up-tempo air raid offense, that's what you got to do. You got to limit the possessions and shorten the game uh, so they don't have that many chances and trust your defense to, to win more than they lose against, against the offense. Because anytime you give that offense more chances, uh, they have, uh, you know, a better chance to, to win the battle against the defense, especially the game is so geared towards offense. Um, and then they're with, with the up-tempo and not substituting. So I'm going to go 38-31 IU, which they don't cover the spread, um, which I think is nine. Uh, nine now. It started open the season at, at like 20-something, but it's down to nine. So, But you need all the wins you could get, and it doesn't matter if it's by one or by, by ten. Uh, Indiana right. needs this win at, so badly. Final thoughts, TJ. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It was a really remarkable atmosphere for the first half there against uh, Cincinnati. It, it was something that I had to kind of um, convince myself at the start of it that, wow, this, this is actually an IU game. Uh, we're not playing Ohio State, and the crowd looks like that. Man, that's that's awesome. Um, had a lot of fun watching that uh that contest up until obviously the, the tail end of it. Um, but I, I, I'm left with kind of trepidation uh, heading into this matchup because I, we saw the, the good of what Indiana can be. We saw that with the exception of finishing drives in the red zone, that first 25 minutes or so was outstanding from Indiana. Yep. Um, we saw the, the positive of that. We also saw a lot of the negative of it. Um, it it's up to the, the players and the staff to, to kind of figure out how to maximize the positive and 
eliminate that negative to reach the potential of what this team has. Uh, Saturday presents a very unique challenge with an air raid team. Um, it's going to be a fascinating game to follow because of uh, how explosive Western Kentucky has the potential to be up against how good we know IU can be, but also a lot of questions about whether or not that's going to happen this season at all. Uh, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting contest and hopefully uh, one that we can look back on at the end of the year and say that game against Western Kentucky really started to to right the ship for Indiana uh, against what's going to be a, a brutally difficult schedule the rest of the way too. Yeah, and you look at the schedule now, TJ, and you know five of the first seven games are now ranked games. Uh, yep. It was already a front-loaded schedule, but you thought you know Michigan State um, has looked better than expected, uh, Ohio State's Ohio State. Uh, and things like that. So it's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's only the, the first. The one that, Go ahead. The one that's not ranked is, is Idaho. And then this one, yep. which is on the road at, at the, you know, the country's top rated passing attack. So it's like, man, I, there's no breaks. There's no breaks with this one. So. Oh, uh, which is why you don't schedule these stupid games on the road. Well, that is true. Yep, that is that is true. Also, I've been Um, saying it for years. This is why you schedule Tumbleweed Tech, uh, UConn, Ham Sandwich, you UConn. Um, I guess you avoid Holy Cross since they beat UConn. Um, but you schedule teams that you know you should win, and then beg the the Big Ten to go back to eight games. But this is what we got. So yep. hopefully Hoosiers can go out and get it done because I do not relish uh, another post-game podcast with a defeat. It's a lot more fun when Indiana plays well and wins. Um, we, we had some years where we didn't get to do that all that often. We had some years where we got to do it a lot. And it's a lot more fun when they're winning. So Yeah, and uh, we got, we got used to hosting that. winning podcasts, so we don't want, really want to go back uh, – don't really want to go back to the uh, the Irish Wake podcast, TJ. So. Nope, nope. Hey, lose on Saturday, and uh, everybody might see a whole new level of dark. Oh yeah, it, it will not be fun. Anyway, that does it for today's podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, Indiana plays the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers down in Bowling Green, Kentucky, at 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sportsnet. If Make sure you have that on your TV. It, it's, I think on some cable packages, it's the next level up. I know on my direct TV, I'm probably going to have to call and deal with people to get it added. Um, but if you don't have it, it's an easy drive down to Bowling Green. I'm sure tickets are still available um, and, and things like that. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll talk to you hopefully on a, after a win next Monday. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. 
crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.